Welcome to The Unstoppable Singer. I'm your host, Danielle Tucker, a professional vocalist, vocal coach, and a lead singer of the Mighty Untouchables Band. I'm also the producer and host of the Pandemic Proof Singer Summit and The Unstoppable Singer. The Unstoppable Singer follows the lives of real professional singers who've made incredible achievements in their lives and careers. We cover everything from voice work, making money, booking gigs, songwriting, recording, session work, and more. If you haven't yet, hit that subscribe button so you never miss another podcast. Now on with the show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a brand new season and another empowering episode of the Unstoppable Singer Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Tucker. I am a singer and vocal coach. The Unstoppable Singer is an interview style show where we dive into the lives of real life professional singers who have achieved some incredible feats in their careers. And we explore the challenges and the triumphs that come with the life under the bright lights. And we learn about what being unstoppable truly means to them. So if you're passionate about music and the stories of remarkable artists, then you're in the right place. Stick around because we're going to jump right into it. Today, we have a very special guest who's making waves in the music industry with her incredible talent and unique style. Our guest is Hannah Abraham, a 23-year-old singer-songwriter and producer based in the vibrant city of Los Angeles with a diverse musical background and a passion for blending genres, Hannah has been creating music that not only sounds amazing, but also carries important messages. You may have already heard her vocals, songwriting, and arrangements on popular shows like Nickelodeon's Monster High and Dora the Explorer, as well as hit songs like Ula's Futon, but her journey doesn't stop there. Hannah's distinctive sound influenced her Egyptian heritage uh, is taking the R&B neo-soul pop scene by storm. As a rising artist, she's not only captivating audiences with her music, but also using her voice to shed light on important and often overlooked topics such as mental health, sexual violence, and racism. Her lyrics are bold, her music is hypnotic, and her performances are nothing short of mesmerizing. Hannah is a multi-talented artist playing various instruments on her recorded music, and she recently graduated from USC's popular music performance and music industry programs. With her debut solo EP on the horizon set to release in fall 2024, she's poised for even greater success. So join us as we dive into Hannah's musical journey, her influences, her vision for the future, and her experiences in the industry. Without further Further ado, welcome, Hannah. Oh my gosh, what a beautiful intro. I'm like, <laughs> I need to listen to that back and write every word down because that's a better bio than the one I gave you. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'll send you a sound bite so you can just play it for yourself in the morning and just be like, who oh, is that? <laughs> words of affirmation. I love it. <laughs> Everybody needs to hear it back sometimes, hear all the amazing things that they've done so far. And this is really just the beginning for you. You're 23 years old. You may be my youngest guest to date, hey. which I absolutely love because we're going to get a very fresh and different perspective from uh, an artist who is, you're certainly not new on the scene, but you're in your 
I don't know. You're you're in the first chapter here, and I think we're getting our amazing. foot in the door. We're getting established yeah. in the industry. Yeah, I'm honestly yeah. surprised that you asked me to be on the show because you've interviewed so many of my friends, and I'm like, wow, like I'm honored to be here. <laughs> Well, we're honored to have you. You've you have made some incredible accomplishments already in your very young career. And I think it's yeah. so important for singers at any stage of this business to hear different perspectives from people who are, you know, seasoned, who've been doing this for decades and decades, some who are kind of mid-career and some who are at the beginning, because we all have a unique perspective to shed on things and to just, uh, you know, kind of open our eyes to the ways that people see things differently and the different experiences everybody's having. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, we welcome you. We're really honored to have you. So Thanks. of course. So bring us up to speed, Hannah, and tell us what you have going on at the beginning of 2024 here. What projects do you have and what's on the horizon for you right now? Yeah. So um, I have my first show of 2024 coming up this Thursday at Art Bar LA. Um, it's a really cool creative mixer, not just for musicians, but also artists of all types. Um, I'm playing a, a short set, but I'm bringing my bassist and my harpist, and we're going to do some really dope original um, arrangements of my original. So it'll be a good time to just come and network and meet new people. Um, a bunch of my friends are also on the lineup. So you, you guys come and support, got to show up for the community. Um, I'm also performing um, with Tonality, a choir that I'm in. We're touring um, the country this February and April, which is going to be really exciting. I'm debuting a new original song with them as well at our mm. third concert of the season on March 24th. So you can look out for that. Um, later on in the year, I'm playing a show at the Mint on May 5th uh, with my band. And um, even later this year, you can expect a new EP for me, my debut EP called Fantasy that I'm really, really excited about. It's been in the works for too long. <laughs> so it's time for her to get out. That's amazing. God, you've got some great stuff coming down the pipeline. Congratulations. That's really yeah. exciting. Just yeah. So tell me when you go out on a live show these days, um, is it consistent from show to show the same, same band, same songs that you're doing and kind of give us a, a feel for uh, what the flavor is when you're out there? Yeah. Um, well, I've been fortunate to craft such a, a cool and personalized live experience over the years. And, um, I've gotten to a point where I have different sets kind of based on my moods. Um, a lot of the people that I play with are my friends that I've made at USC that were also in the pop program with me. Um, some of which have been my roommates um, and are just really close friends of mine. So I usually call on that community. It's not always the same people, but usually is the same um, groupings of people. Um, and yeah, so like this show coming up is an acoustic set. So um, it's going to feature some of my songs that will be coming out on the Fantasy EP, promoing that. Um, but my last show of 2023 was like an entire set of all deep cuts locked yeah. in the vault, like just because I was feeling burnt out and kind of angry by the end of the year. So I was like, 
I feel like playing an angry set. And I, mm-hmm. I brought out all my loudest songs and it was really fun. And, um, you know, I've, I've got to really make those experiences my own by um, counting on not only my musician friends, but I have some friends that do visual art. Shout out Sebastian Sack. He does my visuals for me that I get to project. And I like to put lights on my mic stand and I do a little sound bowl meditation thing for my acoustic sets. Mm. I might scream at you for my more angry sets. (laughs) It's a really fun time. I love it. That sounds amazing. So as I mentioned in your bio, when we got started that, um, in your young career, you really have had some really awesome accomplishments, but I really want to know what has led up to this, where let's go way back to your origins and talk about how you got your start. What was your family like and, and how did music ignite in your life? Yeah. So I tell everybody that I popped out of the womb singing. I came out when, 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 you know what I mean? Um, (laughs) I've been singing my whole life. I, ever since I can remember really. And, um, it's funny because I didn't really grow up in a musical family. Um, I'm a first generation American. My parents immigrated here. And so they, the music that they listened to, if any, was always like Arabic music or salsa music because um, I'm half Puerto Rican, half Egyptian. And so that's kind of the music that they exposed me to that or Michael Jackson, because they just that was the one like American yeah. artist that they were like and Journey. My mom loves Journey. But <laughs> in general, my family wasn't super musical. So it's not like I was listening to music with them all the time. I was more so kind of discovering it on my own, um, like learning all of the theme songs I would hear on TV and singing it back every time they played, listening to Kiss FM on the radio and learning mm-hmm. all the pop songs, banging on pots and pans in my house, pretending to play the drums. Um, And I mean, I always knew that like I had an inclination for music Um, and I I think my first moment when I really realized that was um, I used to go to a a Christian elementary school for a couple years and we would do chapel once a week Mm -hmm. and um, but it wasn't like it wasn't like an ethnic church. So we would be singing like hymns all in unison all together like really slow tempo and I would get bored and I would just start singing harmonies that I would hear in my head and like I didn't know that they were harmonies or what I was doing and everybody would look at me like I'm crazy but I'm like guys I swear this sounds way more cool and way more interesting like it works yeah Um, you're like this is really a thing that I'm doing here (laughs) right like we gotta switch it up y'all we gotta So, um, and after that, you know, I just kept begging my parents to put me in voice lessons literally for years. And every stranger I would meet as a little kid would be like, yeah, please tell my mom to put me in voice lessons because I really Uh. love to sing and blah, blah, blah. um, So, yeah, it was kind of definitely on my own agency that I pursued music. And um, eventually my mom put me in voice lessons when I was, um, I believe I was 11 or 12 years old. Um, Before that, I was taking piano lessons like at a community center um, until we couldn't really afford it anymore. We didn't grow up like with a ton of money. So um, it was always like I had to convince my parents that this was worth the money and Mm -hmm. that it wasn't just a hobby and it was something that I was really passionate about. Um, 
And so I was really lucky in middle school to meet one of my best friends whose dad had a home studio and he was a producer and played all the instruments, wrote, recorded everything. And he kind of taught me how to do all of that as well. So I learned how to play the bass guitar, the drums, guitar, keys. I learned how I learned how to track and record, engineer, um, some like light mixing. And then we like would burn it onto a little CD that I would yes. take home and show my mom, like my first original songs. Um, and Was this in your teen it. years? That was, uh, that was like middle school, early high school. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's how it, how it really started. And I, you know, I was always a choir kid. Like I was in, um, choir in elementary school through middle school, through high school, um, I did like the band program very briefly in elementary school and I picked up the violin for two years. Um, so just really trying to take advantage of the resources that I had around me and in my community. And um, yeah, and then I started writing original music in middle school and in high school, I was like, I was in all, I was in three different choirs. I was, you know, performing for different charity events for clubs that I was in. And I realized that, you know, this is like, this is it. I wasn't mm -hmm. going to be a doctor. I wasn't going to be a lawyer as much as my parents wanted me to do that. Like I knew my passion was in performing and writing and singing. Um, and so my, the summer of my sophomore year of high school, I found out about something called Acapella Academy. Uh, a summer program ran by Ben Bram, Rob Dietz, Avi Kaplan of Pentatonics. And uh, despite the name, it wasn't only acapella oriented. It also offered classes in songwriting and music theory. And that like really opened my eyes to, okay, well, I can make this into a career now. Like, I don't have to just be Beyonce, you know, mm -hmm. there's different ways to make this happen realistically because... Honestly, throughout high school, I was telling myself, if I'm not discovered and if I'm not famous by the time I'm a senior in high school, I'm going to give up because it's going to be too late for me. And I look back and I'm like, wow, that's so impractical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, through that summer program, I got to meet some really incredible mentors who are still working in the industry, still crushing it, and just kind of followed into their footsteps you know um or and trying to at least <laughs> yeah what a great opportunity and so um after programs like that you know you're absolutely hooked you're convinced that this is going to be a lifelong career for you is that when you made the decision to go to usc oh yeah 100 percent um like i said my family wasn't isn't really musical. I'm really the only creative in my family. And so everyone was telling me, you should go to Stanford, you should go to Harvard, you should go to UCLA. I'm like, uh, okay, sure. But it wasn't until I, I went to Acapella Academy, I realized that everyone there wanted to go to USC. Mm -hmm. and I was like, okay, I think I want to go there too. And Instantly after that, like I was the biggest USC fan. I was buying t-shirts and hats for the school before I even applied. 
which could have been like, that was really risky of me, really bold, honestly. But it was like between UC- USC, Berkeley, and even UCLA, those were like the big three, I think that everyone was applying to for music. And so once I realized that USC had a pop program, it was in LA, it was local. Um, the faculty was just amazing. The acceptance rate is like incredibly small. It just really made me want to shoot for the impossible, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible. So obviously you were accepted into the program. What were your days like at USC? Yeah, well, I, so I actually wasn't accepted into the pop program the first time I applied uh-huh, to USC. Okay, okay. I, um, when I was applying, I submitted for both the pop program as a vocalist and also for the music industry program as a backup, because I really wanted to go to USC, whether that was for performing or not, just because it felt so ideal. And I love LA. Like I didn't want to leave. I knew this is where I had to be. So I was willing to do whatever to make that happen. And um, it was a really hard decision because it, like, I didn't want to not go for my dream program, but at the end of the day, that's what I decided to do. And I knew that I would still have the same faculty and resources at my fingertips if I just put myself out there. So Mm. I um, did music industry for a year. I reapplied for the pop program, this time with referrals from current pop professors. And I got rejected again. And so at that point, I was like, okay, you know, maybe it's not meant to be, but I'm still gonna try to take the classes. I'm still gonna try and learn the same material. Like I was literally pulling up the curriculum schedule for the pop kids and comparing it to mine and planning how I was gonna fit in all their classes and as my electives, even Mm. though I wasn't gonna get major credit for it. Um, And I made buddy-buddy with all the pop professors, um, including Patrice Russian, who's like my mom. She's a huge mentor of mine. She was a chair of the program at the time. And um, I went up to her and I was telling her about my audition process and that I got rejected. And I was like, yeah, like I didn't get in, but it's okay. And she was like, no, that's not okay. (laughs) (laughs) so she ended up letting me take the pop classes there um the pop performance class and I took music theory like which everyone was like why would you do that nobody here wants to take music theory why are you putting yourself through that Mm -hmm. I wasn't getting credit for it or anything but I just wanted to do it and after one semester in my sophomore year of doing all of that uh I had another meeting with Patrice and she was like well what what do you want to do here? What is your goal? And I was like, well, truly my goal is to be in the pop program. And she was like, okay, well, then it's done. And mm-hmm. that was that. Then I transferred into the program. Um, and then the pandemic hit. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, some you lose some, I guess. <laughs> so what happened then for you? Where, what year of school was this for you? So the pandemic hit my second semester of my sophomore year. Okay. That was the semester I officially transferred into the pop program and made music industry my minor. Um, and it was interesting because my freshman year of college, I mean, the beginning of it was a whirlwind. Like I was living on the dorms. I made a bunch of friends. I 
finally felt like I had a community and I was free to do whatever the heck I wanted and explore the city and I had a car. And then second semester happened and I had a falling out with my friend group and suddenly I was lonely and I was depressed and I wasn't in the pop program and I wasn't singing as much as I wanted to. Mm. So I really made an effort by the end of my freshman year and beginning of my sophomore year to change that around. That's when I joined an acapella group on campus, reverse osmosis, shout out. Um, and then I started taking all the pop classes and beginning of my sophomore year, I felt like I was on top of the world. Like I, I got booked to play my first ever show in LA. I was performing original music with a band and I made all the arrangements and I was getting so much like positive reassurance that, you know, I was where I was supposed to be. And then it's like the rug got pulled out from yeah. under us. Yeah. Yeah. Suddenly performing live, went to performing in little teeny tiny boxes on the acapella app. And yeah. it, it sucked. Truly yeah. it sucked. I and yeah, it was a dark time. I was depressed for a while, mm -hmm. not only because of all the school things, but I was going through like some relationship things mm -hmm. and I was just like in a really, really dark place. Um, but, you know, that's the, the best opportunity for character growth, I assume. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so you're right about I, that. Yeah. yeah, I used a lot of the pandemic to really figure out who I was and how I wanted to be an artist. Um, I feel like for a lot of people, the pandemic either like ruined your career or it completely blew up your career. And I feel like for me, the pandemic was life changing, um, not in a very noticeably positive way, like outwardly, but I feel like I, I, found my sound. I discovered my writing style. I um, had a lot of alone time to myself. And so that was like a really important reflective time for me. Mm -hmm. um, and as soon as the pandemic was over, well, actually in the middle of the, in the middle of the pandemic, while all the colleges decided we were going to be in Zoom University, I decided that I was still going to move out to my first LA apartment with my best friend who ended up not being in our apartment a lot. So it gave me like my first taste of being like really independent as an adult. Um, and it was a lot of growth, a lot of healing, a lot of grounding. And by the time the pandemic was over, I was like ready to bust out into the world. Like I had done a bunch of live stream shows. Now I was booking live shows and trying to catch up on all the lost time I had for performing experience by going out and doing it myself the summer of 2021. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, like, I feel like that was a time when demand was high, but supply was low because things were barely starting to open back up, but no one really felt comfortable being out yet. And I was like, well, I see a need. I'm going to go fill it mm -hmm. and I'm going to go make things happen. And Soon I was like putting on my own shows with different people from USC and like selling tickets, raising money for charity. Um, and yeah, like I feel like that was the hump that that forced me to really realize my my belonging as an artist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, what an important time. And I, and I think, you know, we I think a lot of times when we talk about the pandemic for um 
people who were actively in school at that time or, or were performing live in the live performance space full time. Um, we, we talk about the fact that uh, it was terrible. It obviously shut everything down for us. It was hard. It was depressing and everything. But we do kind of glaze over it a little bit. You know, the reality is, is it was life altering for I would say the vast majority of everybody that experienced that, especially those people whose lives completely depended on being in the outside world, you know, uh, entertainers, your, your, you know, your whole world is comprised of being able to, you know, express to an audience out there. Right. But there were so many great things that it forced us into. And I, really curious to know for you how you think that may have reshaped your future in the business because you and I coming from two very different generations where me growing up the music industry landscape looked like you wanted to get a record deal you know with a major label that was like that was like the goal you know there was no internet following. You didn't have to worry about developing an audience. You know, you, you developed your audience really after you had a deal. So it was really just trying to pursue finding that deal. But nowadays it's really almost the opposite where you really have to be a developed artist and you really have to forge that whole pathway on your own. Um, and then you may or may not get a deal, you know, or, or, you know, by then you may have already grown your, your career, you know, online. But, um, I think that the pandemic forced people to explore the, the landscape of music in that regard, in that way. Um, you know, do you feel like that it kind of changed things for you too? And, and had you looking at different avenues of the business? Yeah, definitely. Um, the summer of 2020, I actually had an internship at a recording studio in Hollywood called Sound Factory. And um, I was there in person. I was wearing my mask and I was helping all the clients who were coming in to record during the pandemic. And I remember them specifically bringing in a bunch of TikTok stars and trying mm -hmm. to see who they could blow up into the next big thing. I remember sitting in the studio while they're actively pitching songs to like really young kids who, I mean, were my age at the time, if not younger, but it is so interesting. And it's like, I think what's beautiful about this generation is that it's given access to everybody to be able to make music. Mm -hmm. Um, where, you know, nobody could have like made a whole record on their own before if they wanted to. So in a way, like everybody's given a voice and, and that's a beautiful thing. But at the same time, I feel like a lot of big corporations are getting lazy because they don't invest in artist development anymore. And it's mm -hmm. like, because we have all of these tools to reach audiences, to market yourself, now you got to do all the work yourself because if there's no numbers to back you up, then why would any corporation want to invest money on somebody that could potentially make no money? Right. Um, and like, I get it. But at the same time, I think we're very, very slowly starting to realize that, you know, 
these TikTok stars who got signed during the pandemic aren't really holding up anymore. I mean, Mm -hmm. some of them are, but virality doesn't really last. And Mm -hmm. so I feel like forcing these new artists to come up with their following and come up with a, a brand that they can sell and market is almost like another process of like weeding people out like who's really going to make it in this industry and it's kind of a good thing that you have to like make your brand before you can get a deal because then you don't have a a big record label telling you who they want you to be because you already yeah. know who you are and you've already built up a fan base based off of who you are mm-hmm. so there's like pros and cons you know because like you can sign a, a person on TikTok who has several million followers, but they could never sell out a show in LA. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. I have mixed feelings. It's weird. Mm-hmm. It's a weird time. Yeah. You know? yeah. Well, so as an emerging artist yourself, how do you view the, uh, just, um, I guess, how do you view going after your goal and really what is that goal for you? Because like I said, generations ago, it was like you, you just wanted to get a major label deal or, you know, that was, that was the thing because there just wasn't any other way, you know, that you could get your stuff out there, but it is completely different now. So um, tell me what that vision is for you now. Yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of evolving as I grow in the industry And um, I think it's important for every artist to kind of define what success means for them. If you want to be as big as Beyonce or if you want to be as big as Lizzie McAlpine or if you want to be a small indie artist, like all of those are valid depending on what you want. And for me, I think I've kind of realized that I am really fond of like the mid-tier kind of artist lifestyle of like being able to make a living off of your music, but maybe still having enough privacy to like go to Trader Joe's and not get bombarded by paparazzi. But like also maybe play Coachella during the daytime. I don't know, something (laughs) like that. Um, And so I'm trying to see, (laughs) I'm like, darn, I missed the TikTok train back in 2020, but I'm trying to look at social media and the internet now as more of a tool versus like a catalyst for Mm -hmm. that sort of success. Um, More so just a way of like finding your audience and, and engaging with them and showing your own personality versus relying on it to build a career. And, um, I think like most simply, I just want to be able to put out my music and I hope that, you know, I'm just like, I'm open. I'm open to receiving whatever from the universe because I don't really believe in like, I need to go out and find a manager. I need to go out and find a record deal because like, if you're going out to find that and you have to advocate for yourself and you need to make, you need to make people believe in you, how mm-hmm. are they going to, like, push out the vision? How are they going to stick up for you in those really trying times? Mm-hmm. I, I want people on my team who believe in me from the start, who I don't have to convince, who want to support me. So I'm just planning to put the music out and build my team as I get bigger and you know until I can't do things on my own anymore and I find help from people who really understand the vision and believe in me then 
that that will be what happens. But I guess like another thing I've learned is that it's completely possible to be an independent artist and not have a team and be successful, but you probably can't make a living off of your music being completely independent either. So I would love to sign like a record deal, maybe to an indie label or a publishing deal, or like I want a team for sure, but I'm not focusing so hard on how I get there, I guess. Yeah. Great. Great. I love that you made that point. And I really want to touch on that too. So now that you have, you've been through USC, you have been immersed in the professional music scene and pulled back the curtain and see what, you know, the real deal is and that becoming a successful indie artist is not the only path in the music industry. It isn't the end all be all. And there are many different pathways you can go down in this business um, to be highly successful. And, and as you said, that looks different to everybody. But um, what have you discovered about that for yourself? Do you feel like you've chosen the path just uh focusing all your attention in one area or have you decided I need to create multiple streams of income? I need to have my eggs in a few different baskets. What's that like for you? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, because I feel like the one thing the pandemic taught us is that it's good to diversify your streams of income because you never know what's going to be taken away from you. Um, and so I feel like I've been able to start my career being very well-rounded. I'm not just an artist. I also arrange music. I songwrite for other people. I'm a session singer. I uh, am a vocal coach. I'm a music director. I do a lot of different things. And um, that has served me well so far. And I've been able to make a living and I'm doing good, but I'm kind of at a point where I feel like my time and energy is too divided in a bunch of different things. And I'm, I'm starting to feel like the way for me to really reach my goal of, of being that mid-tier artist is to start focusing more of my time and energy on that. And, you know, I hate to bring up the starving artist because no artist should ever be starving, but it's that sort of like motivation and pressure from being starving that allows people to succeed. And I feel like right now I'm a little too comfy. I'm a little too complacent. I need a little risk. I need a little push. So um, that's my goal for this year to finally put my EP out, to play more shows, to, to work more for myself and less for other people. Yeah, I think that's a great point that you make that kind of having the the hunger there is an important driving force, you know, behind a lot of us, because I agree, I, I know so many successful um, working singers who have kind of stepped away from pursuing an original career, uh, just to exclusively go down the path of, of a working singer, you know, session singing live performance, what you name it, because it can be very lucrative. And once you've enjoyed the fantastic feeling of having money in your bank account and being able to pay your bills, doing something you love, it's hard to step away from that. You can't unsee that. So it's, it is yeah. good to kind of have a healthy balance of those if you want to pursue those goals. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like now's the time. I'm in a really 
privileged place where my family lives in Southern California. Like I'm living with my parents right now. So I'm, I'm an adult, but <laughs> I don't quite have all the responsibilities, I guess, of being an adult yet. So I want to be able to take advantage of that to really chase my dreams and at least say that I tried. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love that and savor where you're at because that's a, you're going to wish you were back there at some point in your life. So just take oh, yeah. advantage of it now while you can. It's okay. great. Oh, yeah. yeah. So in your young career, though, you've had some pretty great breakthrough opportunities here. You've had um, some songs on Monster High, Dora the Explorer, and so on. Tell me about some of the um, situations that led up to some like really cool opportunities for you this far. Yeah. Um, I genuinely feel like all of those opportunities kind of came when I least expected it. Mm -hmm. um, but I will say that it has all been the result of me networking and just meeting people and putting myself out there. Mm -hmm. um, for example, the Dora gig I got because I connected with somebody who was in the music industry program at USC who was a rapper and his teacher from high school wrote the Kim Possible theme song and was also writing for Dora and asked him, hey, I need Spanish speakers for this, um, for Dora to help me write songs. Do you know anybody? And I just happened to be <laughs> maybe the only <laughs> Latina person at USC in the program that he knew. Um, and so he, you know, recommended me for that and I was able to land it. Um, and so, you know, just like little connections that you never know will, will lead to something big. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. And um, how often would you say, um, well, tell me, this is what I want to know. What does the day, a day in the life look for like a singer like you, who, who has, uh, you know, you are in the live performance space, you're writing original music, you're doing session work, you, you know, doing contracted projects and everything like that. Give me the day to day for you. Well, I wish I had one answer for you, but my day to day is different every day. And mm -hmm. I will just pull up my calendar and I will, I will tell you what my week was like. So mm -hmm. let's see. Last, I'll start at the top of the week. Last Sunday, okay, I do church gigs every Sunday morning from 10 to 12. So I was mm -hmm. there and I went to the gym. Then I went to a networking event with my friend who's also a musician who I haven't seen in a long time. I brought them with me. We networked. We met a bunch of people. After that, I went to my mentor's birthday show at the Mint met a bunch of people there. I actually booked a show there by meeting the promoter just by going. Um, and then I also have a day job at Cobalt Music. I'm in the sync team there as a licensing admin assistant. So I work from home on Mondays. I did that. And then I music direct at a high school acapella group on Monday evenings. So I went there. Then I went to a jam session after that. Tuesday, I went to the office. I got lunch with somebody, with a friend that I hadn't talked to in a while who's also in music, went to the gym, went to therapy, 
went to a jam session. Wednesday, I went to the office. Then I went to my friend's birthday show after that, where I also caught up with a bunch of old friends I haven't seen in a while who are musicians. Um, and then I went to a jam. <laughs> Thursday, I went to the office and I actually didn't have much to do after that. So I went to the gym and I went home and I slept for once. Um, today is Friday. I was working from home. I taught a vocal lesson in the afternoon. Now I'm doing this interview. And then after this, I'm going to go give my brother a piano lesson because he asked me very nicely. <laughs> and then tomorrow I'm going to two of my friends' uh, single release shows and potentially a concert after that. Mm -hmm. Thank you <laughs> so much. That's a great picture that you've painted for us. And I think it is so important for uh, other singers to hear that. There's a lot of singers that listen to this show that are, um, you know, uh, professionally minded or trying to get into the business. And uh, a lot of them are very frustrated by um, feeling like they're not seeing the activity or the results that they want from the efforts that they're making. Um, and, you know, it can be very frustrating and lonely, but I think it's really important to see the reality of the day-to-day -day for someone um, like you who is, is, is really reaping the rewards of the efforts that you've put into your career. Um, but you are out there doing the thing. You are networking. You are immersed in the scene. You're you know, you're hustling day to day and just really putting in a lot of effort. It is not something that comes knocking on your door, unfortunately. Do you believe that's true? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I probably gave you way more information about my calendar than you needed to know, but. <laughs> no, I think it's great. True. I love the it's, example. <laughs> it's that hungry mindset. I feel like it's, you just, you got to go and put yourself out there. And if you're not spending I mean, I don't want to say all of your free time because there's a healthy balance to all of this. And I'm definitely victim to burning myself out because I've worked too hard. Um, but it is really important to um, diversify your time in a way that's still always contributing to your, tra your craft, I feel like. So even when I'm going to the gym, like I'm working out my body, I'm warming up my voice, I'm expanding my lungs. Mm -hmm. I'm if I'm going to a networking event, like I'm meeting people, I'm sharing my music, I'm hearing about events that I can put on my calendar and go and support other people. Um, if I'm, you know, doing an interview, you know, I'm helping to promote myself. Um, if I'm, if I've got a lazy Sunday, then I'll start journaling and, and that will, you know, help inspire me for the next writing session. Um, it's it's finding ways to influx creativity into everything you do and like how to how to you know reap reap your own benefits from that because like you said it's not going to come knocking on your door until you've reached a level of success where it will but yeah you've got to get there first and um i'm a big believer in that like you've got to tell people what you want in order to attain it and so like if you're going to tell people I'm an artist, you got to walk the walk. Mm -hmm. You got to, you know, put time into your craft. You got to release the music, you got to share the music, you got to meet the people. And it doesn't have to be like this big looming daunting thing, like just the smallest things you can do 
can contribute to to your craft. Even just like answering emails, applying to grants, applying to festivals, like anything you can do, you know, it, it's yeah. all going to work its way back around. Yeah, absolutely. That's great insight. Um, I have been learning a lot about um, the flywheel concept, which I'm going to absolutely butcher trying to explain it here now, but I'll do my best. Uh, but it's, you know, flywheel is this device that they're using in remote areas of country that don't have running water, right? So in, in some spaces early, I don't know, maybe a generation ago, ago, they're putting in, you know, a pump that is hand pumped and, and you just do the same action over and over and over again, you get the same result over and over again, no matter, you know, how, how you pump the water. But now they're using this device that would, is called a flywheel where it's, it's kind of, I don't know, submersed into the ground the same way, but, and, and it does require an initial physical action and it's actually pretty tough to get it going. And, but once you put in the effort and a little more effort, eventually this flywheel is revolving on its own and doing all the work on its own. And I think that so many careers have flourished from putting in that kind of effort, you know, for on the front end, when you really pour, you know, your time and attention and your energy, especially at, you know, such a young age, and when you aren't bogged down with a lot of commitments and, you know, you know, uh, I don't know, financial commitments, family commitments and whatnot. But when you on the front end, load all your time and energy that way, at a certain point, you are going to find that you don't have to try so hard. It won't always be that hard. But if you can, you know, if you can kind of just keep it going here on the front end, eventually, uh, it is going to just start returning to you because you're going to be uh, established. People are just going to know you, you're going to be on their radar, and you would have laid such a phenomenal foundation, you know, in the lives of, of all the people around you, they're just going to naturally want to work with you. So I think yeah. you're like, if you're not already feeling that already, I bet you soon will. Oh my gosh. No, that I didn't even know that that was a thing. The flywheel. That's cool. I learned it's something like a, new. It's like a trendy yeah. business thing that people are <laughs> saying. And I Why know, I, I think I did a horrible job explaining it. But <laughs> that makes sense to me. No, I think that's definitely true. I mean, I'm, I am in a place where like I'm my focus and my biggest goal for this year is to really put out my EP. So I've kind of stopped looking for like live gigs and um, performances, but I'm still getting DMs of like people trying to book me all the time. And that's like such a wonderful feeling to know that, well, this industry is like really based on your reputation and like who you know and first impressions and if you always go into something like giving a hundred percent and you're just a good person and you're nice to everybody like I feel like there's no way that that's not going to come back around mm, you know yes. and especially if you're consistent um because <laughs> one thing that I've learned is that like you can be one of the most talented people but if you're not loud about advocating for yourself and you're not consistent about your work ethic then you're, you know, there's not much room for growth, but a lot of mediocre people can find a lot of big success just because mm -hmm. 
they were loud and they went out of their way to advocate for themselves and they were being consistent and you know mm-hmm. it's all it's all about hard work and yeah. less about talent <laughs> yeah no that's true that's very true yeah well um I, it's been amazing to hear, you know, your journey, your insights and your perspective. Um, like I said, I, I think you, you may be the youngest, uh, singer that I've had on here and I just, I absolutely love it. It's been great chatting with you and, and, um, just getting to see things, you know, from your lens. Um, and, and what I've noted throughout our conversation is that you really have had a lot of hurdles to overcome so far, you know, um, making your way to where you are now. So that kind of brings me to my final question of what is it that makes you unstoppable? Mm, I love this question of the podcast. I wrote down, I wrote down my little answer. So forgive me if I'm looking off to the side. (laughs) Um, what makes me unstoppable has to be my undoubted passion um it is my unique identity um my intentionality and um my diverse skill set mm-hmm. and and my unique perspective on creativity <laughs> that's an amazing answer thank you for that <laughs> oh, thank you for having me of course This was great. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. And I am absolutely going to be on the sidelines rooting for you. I can't wait to see what you do in your career. We'll have to have you come back and give us an update on everything that's going on with you. Uh, Where would you like everybody to go to um, uh, explore your new music and follow you? Yeah, you can follow me on all social media at made the number four music. Um, You can listen to my music on all streaming platforms as Hannah Abraham, H-A-N-N-A-H-A-B-R-A-H-I-M. And uh, yeah, stay tuned for the upcoming EP. Follow me on Instagram. Keep up with the shows I'm playing around. Yeah. Yes, that's awesome. Great. Thank you so much. And I'll make sure to put all of the links in the show notes so everybody can get to those very easily. But thank you so much, Hannah. We appreciate you. And we can't wait to see what you do in the future. Thanks for joining us tonight. And thanks to everybody for listening. We'll catch you on the next show. Yeah, thanks, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us. If you love this conversation as much as I did and would like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. To stay up to date with The Unstoppable Singer and get all the behind the scenes content, you can follow me on Instagram at Unstoppable Singer. And while you're there, please share this episode on your Instagram stories and tag me at Unstoppable Singer. Once again, I'm Danielle Tucker, a professional singer and vocal coach. I've spent the last 25 years crafting a successful career for myself in the music industry and showing other aspiring singers how to do the same. The world needs your voice now more than ever. So get out there and create an unstoppable career.